Hello and you're very welcome to The Contact Book, the show where we look back at the lives and times of our guests with a little bit of help from those who know them best because we have access to their contact book, their phone, and we'll be calling up those who lived through so many of their life experiences with them. Oh yes, it's awkward. Oh yes, it's endearing. And the truth behind all those tales will be revealed. We have a fabulous guest for you on the contact book, a real legend of the game of rugby, no doubt about that. Uh, she has one of the greatest records in world rugby, has played for her country 74 times, scored 28 tries, won a World Cup and helped England win a record breaking seven, yes, seven consecutive Six Nations crowns. She has one of the most recognisable names in the world game. But you know something? Rugby fans don't know her from any of that. They recognise her from the way she tackled people. She is a machine. She absolutely hammered them. She folded them in half because she is Maggie, the machine, Alfonsi. Maggie, how are you? Welcome to the contact book. Oh, do you know what, Craig? That has to be one of the best build-ups I've ever heard. I, I, I'm, I'm in awe right now. I'm, I'm blushing as well. Well, you know what you do with that? You clip that up, have it as your phone ring. <laughs> That's <laughs> you what know I what? Uh, I, I, I might actually do that. <laughs> How are you, Maggie? Life has been so interesting for you recently. So much going on. How are you keeping? How are you? I'm not doing too bad, actually. Look, we're all going through difficult times right now. But um, yeah, I'm doing all right. Um, Only about five weeks ago, I gave birth to a little boy and life has been fairly different since. Um, So not getting much sleep, to be honest. But apart from that, really enjoying having a little little boy around the house and, uh, you know, growing, helping him grow, I guess. So uh, yeah, things have been okay. It's just uh, having to adapt to this new norm, which is a bit strange for everyone, I think. It's amazing, isn't it? Particularly the kind of player you were uh, as, a, as a back rower and you were just a tackling machine and, and the, some of the players you just took out yet a tiny little baby a few weeks old can absolutely destroy <laughs> your daily routine <laughs> and take you down look Craig you know what it's like sleep deprivation is definitely one of the worst things ever to, to have to cope with and to try and um, get through your day when you've had very little of that so yeah, it's amazing. A little boy can do that to you, uh, or a little baby can do that to you in terms of uh, completely wipe you out. But um, it's it's great to have a little one around the house. To be fair, I don't miss tackling people anymore. I have to say, I've, it's nice to it's nice to let my body recover. If, if, if I'm honest, but um, a little boy does have have that impact on you in terms of no sleep and uh, knacking you out. I'm interested, Maggie, because obviously when you you bring up a, a child and you just go, I want this to be the most perfect life for this little being. Uh, your own upbringing, your your own childhood, how was it? I guess my childhood was quite, I guess you might say quite normal in the sense that, you know, a, a kid that needs to be kept busy, trying to keep them engaged, doing activities. But I guess for me, you know, I... I also was quite a, a, a naughty child, I guess. So for me, um, my initial upbringing, I was, I was brought up in a basic council state environment in North London. You know, I used to kind of like, when I'd go into school, get into trouble quite a lot, not actually spend much time in my lessons. I was quite disengaged, if I'm honest. But I just enjoyed, I enjoyed playing sport though. So I enjoyed socialising with friends. And um, I'd say for me, growing up, I just wanted to have attention, single parent family, you know, no siblings around me. So it was always all about me, really, which is probably why I got got into a lot of trouble, because I just wanted to get attention put on me. And I, at one point, I almost got kicked out of school, really. Um, and, it, and and I owe a lot to some of the key people in my life who sort of helped me stay on the stay on the straight and narrow and be quite disciplined with my with my attitude. And yeah, school for me was a bit 
was it was a I had a good time at school but again my my lack of behavior didn't help me and uh, you know I relied on certain certain teachers to sort of help me out of that and, and give me the right direction thankfully I had some key teachers who really believed in me and you know allowed me to sort of stay disciplined and stay in school I guess well, you've teed up our first kind of dive into your mobile phone very well there indeed, because one of your teachers was uh, Lisa Burgess. And I know Lisa is still a friend of yours. You do have her number on your mm, phone. I do. I think we should give Lisa a call because she was your PE teacher while you were in school. Now she she works in, in women's rugby now, but um, she's ringing away there, Maggie. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how often you speak to her, but uh, this is the beauty of the contact book. We hear the truth. Um, hi, Lisa. It's Craig Doyle here on the contact book. I have your old naughty student, Maggie Alfonsi, on the phone with me. How are you? Hey, Craig. Hey, Maggie. We're all good here, thanks. Yeah, great to hear you both. I'm very well. How are you doing, Bird? Yeah, really good, thanks. Yeah, grand. Okay, ex- so explain happening? Bird. Well, explain Bird to me. Why Bird? <laughs> oh, gosh. It's a, it's a nickname that just stuck with me through rugby. It started off at Loughborough University and kind of, yeah, it just kind of stuck there. So I've kind of got two names. I've got Lisa for my close family. <laughs> and then everybody else <laughs> in the rugby world know me, knows me as Bird or Birdie. So, yeah, it stuck with me. Well, Birdie, for the sake Mag- of today... Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, I think Maggie's yeah. now trembling in fear. She's realised what is involved in the contact book that we get to get all her, her secrets. But look, you, you were her teacher Excellent. back in school, and and Maggie was saying she wasn't a necessarily very good or engaged child. What kind of child did you see back then? Oh, she was she was brilliant. I only ever saw the positive in her because you know obviously she was playing sports. She was full of enthusiasm. She was a little bundle of energy and just you know just loved the sport. She was in before school, lunch times. You know she could play sports. She'd be there in that gym or out on the field, you know, she picked up a discus and threw it. I think she broke the record the first time she <laughs> threw the blooming discus for the borough. She was just a really talented, enthusiastic, bubbly personality, lovely girl, you know. She was she was a great, she was a real pleasure to teach. It's really interesting, Maggie, because you talk about your, your childhood and school and you're thinking you weren't engaged because academia just maybe wasn't your thing. But we, we speak to Birdie here, we speak to Lisa here, and she spotted what your potential was it's amazing when yeah. you with a kid when you pick the right thing they can really soar right I think that's, a, that's a, the big bit isn't it really you know I, I was quite lucky to have a teacher like Bird because very much she saw the strengths in me and I had a teacher like, like Bird who just basically believed that I could I could be good and and when I played sport I absolutely felt I felt free I felt like I I was a good student and, and as a result of that I think I just continued to sort of apply that in my other lessons. Lisa, did you have to convince the other yeah. teachers that this this young Maggie Alfonsi wasn't all bad? I think she convinced them herself with, you know, she showed leadership qualities right when she was in the gym. You know, she was encouraging others. She, she was really patient, you know, really helped people progress. And um, yeah, she had a little wicked streak in her. But I mean, you know, <laughs> that can be harnessed in the right way. And I think um, she was a real role model back then for this, you know, the kids as well in school. And, um, you know, I, I was really lucky and myself in the head of year. You know, we talked about Maggie a lot and she she really showed, showed her true colours in regards to what she was capable of. She's been very modest herself because she's a very good teacher not just worked with me but um haven't you also teached Maca Villapola and Billy Villapola as well I didn't I didn't Maca was in the school yeah well Billy was in um, Billy was in my school yeah I did uh, GCSEP with with Billy he was an interesting character in school yeah (laughs) good old Billy at the castle school in Thornbury um yeah many happy memories of him but yeah like you say you know people have different strengths children have different strengths 
and you know it's our job as teachers to find out what what those strengths are and kind of um, develop and build them. Let's roll back the years, right? Let's a bit of compare contrast. Who showed the most potential as a kid? Mako Vonopola, Billy Vonopola, mm-hmm. and Maggie Alfonsi. Uh, that's a really interesting one because obviously with Maggie, I didn't actually teach her as such for GCSE PE. It was more on a practical basis. So I was with her with all the extracurricular mm. type stuff. And you don't know, try and sidestep this <laughs> now, Bird. Don't <laughs> sidestep <laughs> it, right? <laughs> Do you, see, do you see where I'm going here? With I Billy, see what you're Billy, trying to do. He was, <laughs> he was in a classroom, sat down, having to really concentrate and focus on written work, which, let's be honest, like myself, you know, I'm a PP person. I like being out there. It's not the easiest in class. But, um, yeah, I saw different characters every time they came in the classroom, which you get. You just got to work your way through. So, yeah, Billy had his different challenges in the classroom, but he was always one of the great characters and always lots of fun. You didn't know what he was going to bring each day, but he was also really intelligent, Billy, you know, and, and in the classroom as reflected by his results he achieved in his PE. So in answer to your question, um, <laughs> they both showed huge potential on the field and um, in the classroom with Billy. That's the only one I taught. I didn't teach Maggie in the classroom, <laughs> but I'm sure she was full of it. <laughs> I can see why you played rugby bird. Decent sidestep there, nice. Um, I mean, Maggie's saying that Maggie, Maggie's admittedly saying that sport, you know, saved her. Might sound a bit melodramatic, but certainly stopped her getting into a lot of trouble. Is that something you saw? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, sport brings opportunities, it brings responsibilities, and it lets the person grow and thrive. And I think, you know, with that comes that leadership role. You know, Maggie was a natural captain. The girls looked up to her. They respected what she could achieve and do, and what she could offer them as well. Maggie is an incredibly conscientious person, and it's interesting that that's something she was, she was. Behaving like that uh, with a strong conscience back in school. Tell me about the award she won from the council and what she did with it. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this. Like, this is going back to athletics now. Do you remember this, Maggie? I do remember this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we were talking about rugby or something, and Maggie was like doing athletics at the time and very successful. And she was awarded a grant. I think it was 500 monetary award. Anyway, after the summer holidays, you know, great, really well done on this grant. You know, go off and get yourself sorted with your discus, your, your athletic track shoes etc and when she came back she's like oh miss i've had a great summer i said oh, brilliant how you been getting on oh well i've bought two pairs of rugby boots four pairs of shorts a couple of rugby shirts and i was going what about the, <laughs> what about the athletics <laughs> no i'm gonna play rugby i I'm, i really want to do rugby and i was like right okay let's explain that to the borough then so <laughs> yeah and it was it was money well spent as far as i'm concerned yeah <laughs> you made your choice maggie so, yeah? yes I, I did yeah at that point i mean i love discus but it wasn't as fun as rugby so uh, yeah, at that point, I thought the five hundred pounds would be better spent on um, a good pair of uh, rugby boots. <laughs> um, before we leave you, Birdie, I'm going yes. with Birdie instead of Bird. I quite like that. Uh, Lisa, yeah. What was it about Maggie's rugby, her style of playing, even as a kid, that you saw? Oh, she's got something here. We got a player. I see. Just love contact. I mean, you know, she she was incredibly skillful with her hands. She had a real deft set of hands. That little offload she could offer was brilliant. But her physicality, you know, her power and flexibility to get over the ball, win those turnovers, was just phenomenal. You know, and also as she grew and developed, her understanding of the game, you know, was just really shone through. And she was she's a natural leader. You know, people look up to her because of the way she plays and her um, fearlessness, if you like, in the actual game itself. And she was a real um, competitive character who trained, you know, who's put everything, you know, worked as hard as she possibly could to achieve everything. It doesn't just happen. You can have talent, but you've got to work that talent and make it, make it shine through. And Maggie did that and achieve great things as a result. Well, Lisa Bird Burgess, 
you played a huge part in that. So uh, on behalf of everyone who loved watching Maggie play, thank you for introducing her to rugby. Thanks so much. Great talking to you. Take care of yourself. Oh, thank you. Babe. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Bye. 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 Have a good bye. day. Bye. 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 Maggie, what, what Lisa didn't mention and you haven't mentioned, and it's, it's just what you're like, but the fact that you did have a problem with your foot, you weren't physically in the same level with everyone else because you, you had a problem with your foot, with your leg. And uh, so you had to work a bit harder. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's correct. So I guess uh, when I was born, I was born with a physical disability called club foot, but it's also called talapesis. That's where basically one or both of your feet are completely turned in. So when I was born, my, my right foot was turned all the way in and the doctors operated on me. I can't remember what age it was, but I was very young. So I must have been around one or two years old when the bones weren't too fully fully formed. Anyway, I had an operation to straighten my foot. And as a result of that, it just meant my childhood, mainly when I was really young, I spent a lot of time going in and out of hospital trying to make sure my foot was was being, was well, was healing correctly and was, I guess, straightening in a way that it should be. And um, I guess when I played sport at primary school and secondary school, I saw, I was always aware of it, but I didn't let it affect me. So I, I was, you know, I could run really well and I could still be active ev with everyone, but I was always aware that I had a bit of a limp. So I've, I, even now when you see me, I've got a bit of a limp. I mean, if I'm in London, it looks pretty cool when I've got this limp, but um, <laughs> where I live in Buckinghamshire, it doesn't actually look, doesn't actually reflect that well. So yeah, so I've, I, I guess my childhood was quite challenging because there's, there's a lot of times when I had to go into hospital to get my foot sort of looked at and uh, and as I got older in my in my rugby career my strength conditioning training was all about trying to strengthen my calf to ensure that the way I walked my gait in terms of running as well was was efficient and uh, not causing stress on my on my ankles or on my knees and it was quite difficult really like but at the same time I didn't let it bother me but when I retired I, I, let, I then sort of understood my condition I guess and uh, someone else said to me that you know that's a you've got a physical disability there and to an extent I guess you could be you could compete in the Paralympics with, with the disability that you that you've got but because you've worked so hard to straighten your foot as well and have the operation you've done so well to to not let it be an issue so yeah it, it, it was something I had to really work hard over my over my childhood and my career to make sure that I didn't let the foot bother me. I just think it's amazing strength of mind for a young person. I, I just I have so much admiration for you. Although I'm sure your former teammates weren't as kind because I know what they're like. I know what rugby players are like. They are absolutely ruthless. So I think we should get one of them on. And a very old friend of yours, uh, I think most of your 15-year international career you spent playing alongside her, uh, sitting beside her on the bus. Danielle Waterman, another legend of the game. And I think you definitely have Nolly in your phone. So let's give no Nolly a buzz if you don't mind. Nolly, fantastic character of course in the world of media now as well yourself and yourself and nolly she's always busy though she's I, I, she she's is good busy. answer hello hello hiya nolly it's craig doyle here i'm with your old pal maggie on the contact book have you got serious maggie or have you got rugby maggie that i know <laughs> we've got, got media maggie we got we got media maggie but we're breaking her down we're breaking her down but she's so tell us about first of all your relationship with her because you played together for, for england for so many years didn't you yep indeed i think maggie and i first crossed paths at the divisional under 16s tournament in lichfield when i think i was 14 or 15 so maggie had been what you're a year older than me so we're yeah. looking around 2000 i got she's giving I away your age maggie right there i know she is <laughs> 
I think I got capped for England a little bit, was it a little bit before Mags, but yeah, yeah did, basically yeah. we had our whole career together, didn't we? I can think of worse people to have on my team. Luckily we didn't, well, you only tackled me once properly in a premiership game because I got blindsided by <laughs> a pass that I shouldn't have got. And I remember being like, obviously I was always super grateful that Maggie was on my team with England and managed to avoid her at most costs with club. But when I got tackled, you absolutely crushed me. And I got up and I was like, do not show your pain, Nolly. Do not... <laughs> Don't give her that credit. <laughs> Is it that sore? Is it that bad? Because it looks bad on telly. You know what? It's really hard because, to be fair, out of all of the players in England that I've ever played against, Maggie has had the biggest amount of grief from her teammates to never tell her that she's as good as she is. I think now we can do it because we're not playing at all. But, um, yeah, it was awful. (laughs) I do remember, Maggie, I don't know if you remember this, during the, the last World Cup and we were both working with ITV's uh, coverage on it mm. and we had a little demonstration area in the studio, Maggie, do you remember? And we said, let's do, um, yes. let's do, a, ta- let's do a tackling turnover <laughs> demo. And we had like, you know, British and Irish Lions, internationals, <laughs> European Cup winners. And Maggie's like, yeah, I'll have a slice of that. And we had this young demo team from some local rugby club in and I think Gareth Thomas maybe tackled someone and someone else tackled someone. And then it was Maggie's turn. And this poor guy, she folded him in half. He's on the floor live on TV. Is he breathing? What what has she done to this guy? I mean, that's the thing, Maggie. You're you're great fun and you love a bit of messing. And Nolly, I guess you saw the best of that as well. I know all these tours and all these tournaments. I definitely got to see Maggie the Machine. And, you know, I think one thing that, that people wouldn't realise is just how much of a great crack Maggie was on the beers on tour. <laughs> <laughs> and lots of stories obviously will stay on tour and I will never disclose the Maggie as one of my best mates. But um, <laughs> if you've got a few decent tour stories about someone, then you know that they were a good tourist and that they, they took rugby seriously on and off the field, which Mags did. How wild did it get, Maggie, on the road? <laughs> It wasn't when we were playing for England, though. I think that the times when we were probably at our most wildest is when we um, did the old seven tours together. And uh, as many times where we've played for the Wooden Spoons, um, we went to Amsterdam a few times, and it has just be carnage. And look, I, I feel like I feel like I'm the crazy one. Nolly is the worst. I mean, Nolly is. You give her a few. You know, give her a few drinks, and all of a sudden you're like, "Where's she gone? What is she up to?" And she, she she's definitely the best tourist. I think whenever you go out with the team, but. Yeah, we've always had fun. I think it's always been good, good humour. We're, we're, we're fun drunks, I would always say. What, what's your best on the rip injury, Maggie? Ooh, Not on the um, field, on the rip. <laughs> Bear in mind, um, I know the answer, right? <laughs> I don't know if I should really say this, but um, I knocked my teeth out, a couple of, a couple of my teeth out. I don't know if that, that's... <laughs> um, How? Through drinking, they first got knocked out when I was playing. When I was at my local, my so my club Saracens, uh, and I got very very drunk there. I just basically fell, and instead of using my hands to stable myself and and I guess cushion my fall, I used my my teeth. I thought that would be the best thing. So um, my two front teeth got knocked out, and um, I you know had them fixed. Uh, well, not my real teeth, but sort of fake teeth put in. And then I had a denture and all that, all the usual stuff, really, I guess, as rug players do. And then um, went on tour with, who was it with? No, I think it was, was it? Moody team? Cows? Moody Cows, that's it, yeah. Maybe and got, Yeah, that's that's correct, yeah. And then got very drunk again, and then I lost my teeth. I mean, there's been many occasions where I just got very drunk <laughs> I mean, and lost my teeth. Let's, although, Maggie, I think my favourite story for, 
for you, which I'm sure you won't mind me sharing. Well, hopefully you don't mind me, but I'm on. I'm going to say anyway. (laughs) I think when when you weren't feeling that well and you you were sick, and not only had you knocked them out, you actually then lost the ones that you'd been given as a replacement when you're being sick. But it wasn't even the fact that you lost your teeth being sick. It was the fact that they went down the toilet, and then you were so (laughs) mortified because you were such a celebrity, and loads of people didn't know that you had fake teeth, and so therefore you put your arm into the toilet and the strength of Maggie the machine pulled the toilet off of the wall flooded the bathroom but I, I'm pretty sure you found the teeth didn't you oh no um they they were gone they were gone, oh, they're gone. And as a result of that I had I had to spend a few days without my teeth and I remember the next day missing our flight because we were so drunk it was just awful I mean it was awful I think Molly tells the story way better than I do but um yeah you can't I remember my... it mate it was all a blur. All I remember oh. was that I had a massive gap in my mouth. I was like, where where have my teeth gone? Um, yeah. I think it's fair to say, Nolly, that Maggie changed the way women's rugby was viewed. What's your, your take on her impact on the women's game? I think her impact was as, as big as the impact she actually had on the poor souls that she was playing against. You know, it, it's far beyond anyone would ever realise. You know, I saw it from the inside how not just the level of training that you brought Mags on a personal level, but the impact that that had on the level that we pushed ourselves to as Red Roses. You know, the inspiration that you provided your teammates because of what you were striving for from a success perspective, which then in turn obviously continually drove that you know, that massive inspiration of the Red Roses within. But actually, you took women's rugby to new audiences because people had never seen other women like hit the women hit each other like that you did and not just the physical side but also the the tactical side of a seven the, the you know we would continually laugh about the fact that I would do the <laughs> line break and then I did I'd look to my right or left and Maggie was there I was like Maggie why are you on my shoulder to finish, finish the try like how have you got here and actually it was because of how good a a blindside flanker, open side flanker, you were, you know, wherever you were on the field, you were making an impact. And I think that it just showed the world from within the player group, but also from the outside, just how good women's could be. And, and I think one of my biggest frustrations was actually in 2010, you were so far above every other player in that tournament, but didn't get a world player of the year because we didn't win it as a team. And I kind of feel like we let you down because we didn't give you the platform to get that award because it was just incredible to see someone so humble, someone so hardworking, genuinely change the face of things. And yeah, I mean, obviously, I never told you at the time because I never wanted to tap my <laughs> boost your ego too much. But um, and then it's awesome now, you know, it's the the impact that Mags had with her platform. Now she's finished, I think, it is paving the way for you know for me and my media role and, and what you've done there. But also, you know, on your on your rampage towards being. Uh, the chief of the RFU as well. Yeah. Oh, Nolly, that's really... Honestly, I have to say, Craig, again, Nolly is being modest herself. I've, I've been very fortunate to score 28 this tries. This isn't about me, I've, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what? My 28 tries have, have pretty much come from all of Nolly's passes. I'm, I think every time she makes a break and I just make sure that I'm I'm, I'm hanging around her when um, when she does do that so I can get those tries. And yeah, do you know what? I, I feel I feel it's it's really nice hearing the words from Nolly in particular. Like, you know, it means a lot when it comes from your teammates and 
you know, I've been very fortunate to have had Nolly by my side, and I, I like to think that we're we're um, rehab buddies because we've always been injured together, <laughs> and we've always got got each other through it together. So, and it's so nice that we're able to do the media stuff together as well. Like to, for me to see Nolly flourish is is amazing, you know, and I, and I like to think that we both will be able to continue that partnership, you know, for the future. Uh, and, and hopefully inspire many others to come through. Nolly, it's so good to hear from you. And, and Maggie, enjoy it because good friends only compliment you now and again. So enjoy it while you can. She'll be getting stuck into you next time she sees you. <laughs> Nolly, thanks so much for your time. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Oh, All no the best. worries. Enjoy, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks, bye, bye. 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 We're going to talk about the World Cup and, and more rugby stuff a little bit later. But... I'd really like to talk about your media career as we're on it, because it, you know, it hasn't been easy. There's been female presenters, that's for sure. But for females to get into the kind of commentary booth or the pundit booth has been difficult in the game. And you were the first woman to commentate on a men's match. And I, it was just such a massive moment. A, your career allowed you to do that because you had all the credibility, but you're also good at it. And I say that because I've done a couple of World Cups with you, with you alongside me, and it's always been an absolute joy. You completely broke the barrier down for women in broadcasting by doing that for the first time. Did you get a sense of that responsibility at the time? Oh, I remember that first game, actually. It was the Men's Rugby World Cup in 2015, and um, I was with you and Sean Fitzpatrick. I think it's France versus Romania. So, uh, yeah, one of the best games, obviously, in the World Cup. And um, <laughs> it, was, it was one of those games where I, I honestly didn't even think about being like the first female to, to work on a men's rugby um, World Cup. I just actually, all I could think about was, I hope I get the names right, especially the Romanian names. I was absolutely panicking about how on earth do you pronounce them? But um, I have to say, when I did the, did that game and then after the game, looking at you know Twitter as you do, and I had lots of really positive comments. I also had lots of negative ones, as you tend to, unfortunately, just because it's different having a woman talk about a men's match. But I didn't really appreciate the enormity of it until after. And now that I do uh, men's punditry and, and women's punditry as well, I feel like I don't let my gender be a reason to define who I am when I do the work. I just try and just be a good pundit, really, or commentator and make sure that I know my stuff and, and I can provide good analysis, really. And I think what's been great is seeing that there's more women coming through, not just in rugby, obviously, but in other sports. You know, you, Alex Scott's are doing really well in football. And then you've got Ebony Rainford, Brent in cricket and obviously Nolly and Emily Scarrett and many others who do do rugby as well. So it's nice to know that I might have you know, taken the first step, but there's many other women out there who are, who are absolutely doing incredible stuff in their own fields. They really are, including the presenting field, which brings us to the next number on your contact book, because uh, I know you've done some work with her in the past. She is without doubt one of the best sports presenters out there, be it male or female, it doesn't matter. She's just brilliant at what she does. And that is Gabby Logan, huge rugby fan, of course, presenting rugby for many, many years. I think we need to give Gabby Logan a buzz to talk about, about this area because it's such an interesting area. So let's give, let's give Gabby Logan a buzz there. She might be doing her yoga or something, though. It's like yoga time for Gabby. Hello. Hiya, Gabby. It's Craig Doyle here on The Contact Book. I have Maggie Alfonsi with me. And uh, we're just talking Hello. about her life and times. And Hi, Gabby. your name came up and we said, let's talk to Gabby. How are you? I'm very, very well. Nice to speak to you, Craig. And great to speak to you, Maggie. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, a little baby to the world. Um, yeah, and I haven't, I'm not getting I haven't much sleep. seen you since. So, yeah, no, well, that's part of the deal. 
So welcome <laughs> to the world of no sleep. <laughs> Gabby, we, we were just talking there uh, about Maggie was the, uh, you, you probably know this, but she was the first female to commentate on a men's game. And Maggie was talking about the reaction she got, largely positive, but the usual kind of awful reaction that you get when you start a career. But the importance of that, the importance of Maggie's voice, Maggie's face being on television, talking about the men's game, it was a massive moment really, wasn't it? Huge, yeah. And obviously, Maggie has the most incredible career herself, and her credibility was never in question, you know, so her voice carried so much weight. It is, as you say, sadly inevitable that some people, whatever you do, they're going to decide they don't like it, you know, (laughs) and so they're going to voice disquiet. But I think most people were just so delighted that Maggie was able to make that transition. I'm wondering for you as a female presenter to see a female pundit out there, how important was that for you? Because, you know, obviously you're a big rugby fan, you present rugby all the time. A big moment for you as well, personally? Oh, yeah, I, I think, you know, when I started out in the industry, I started at Sky in 1996. So I've been, I've been in television now for 24 years and the landscape has changed dramatically you know we've gone from seeing very few women in front of camera to now seeing women hosting shows commentating but more importantly for me as well behind the scenes directing producing you know writers uh, all areas of television because you know what we didn't want to see was just window dressing you know and it's important that women are making decisions as much as men are in terms of running sports stations or departments so obviously when you have people like Maggie who already you know was was had, a, had an incredible profile and a very well-respected career to, to move and make that transition to commentary I think people buy into her you know because they've already they already respect her and it then opens the door for more women to come in behind Maggie you know and that's that's how I've always kind of felt pioneers work that's it Maggie somebody has to do it for the first time so young girls out there can go I can do it look Maggie's doing it the door's open to me most definitely and look before me there was many others in terms of uh, I've, I've always looked up to Gabby in what she does as a presenter like like she's really highlighted she's been in the industry for the last 24 years and then there's likes of you know Claire Balding there's many more and I think I've been quite lucky to have people like that to look up to and just think if they've done it there's definitely a pathway for many others to follow those footsteps and what's great like I said beforehand we've got so many more women now in front of the camera but as Gabby's really highlighted now we're getting more women behind the camera who are making those key decisions and we've just got to keep pushing it really you know ideally we want to have as as, as many men as there are women involved in the industry and, and making those big decisions but also you know in front talking about sport. I think it's about opportunity isn't it and it's not per se about having kind of a 50-50 split in sports broadcasting men and women. I think what it shows is possibility. And so areas that that young girls have traditionally felt weren't for them, by seeing Maggie commentating, hearing her commentating, they may then think about another area of life that they thought was not for them, you know? And that might be that they wanted to be an engineer or they wanted to do something that they, you know, whether, you know, design a Formula One car, something where they thought, well, there don't appear to be many women doing that. Actually, what it does is open up possibility. And and that's, you know, the power of sports, that sport has an enormous potential to help change societal views in lots of different ways. You know, we see it with regard to, say, football, why it's so important that football gets it right when it comes to racism and when it comes to homophobia is because football's a microcosm of society and, and sport in, in a wider sense is a microcosm of society. So 
So it's not about kind of saying, right, every girl should want to be Maggie Alfonsi or should want to be Claire Balding or should, you know, it's about saying, right, well, who can you be? What's your possibility and where where can you take your life? It's interesting, though, isn't it? The, you know, Sarah Elgin, brilliant, brilliant uh, presenter, reporter with us on BT Sport. Now, Sarah's husband is Simon East to be the Ireland's forwards coach. Her, her father is one of the, the greatest Welsh rugby players of all time. I, I'd imagine the conversations about the high level of rugby conversations around their dinner table are absolutely extraordinary. And Sarah would be in the thick of that. She knows her rugby inside out. But still, people will comment about how Sarah looks on screen. Isn't her hair nice? Rather than, listen to what she just said about that oh, scrum technique. I, I would think it's partly because there is a fascination with how people look and what they wear. Mm. But also, there's not a balance to that. You don't get that with the man, do you? And Maggie will probably find very soon that she starts doing interviews and people ask her, who's looking after the baby if you're at work? You know, yeah. And that's kind of how my career, you know, well, who's with the kids? Is Kenny babysitting? No, Kenny can't babysit because he's their father. He's, he's actually looking after them. You know? <laughs> so, so, and for, and for, <laughs> that's part of the shtick it's a 50 50 thing so the the whole kind of idea that you know you know and i you know i understand sarah must have massive frustration about that because it is frustrating when you think well my male colleagues nobody's asking craig where his jumper's from or they're criticizing the cut of his trouser but it's almost like mm. chipping away trying to chip away at somebody's confidence when it comes to things mm. like that and i think it's quite insidious really i, I do often get is he dying his hair just to <laughs> let you know i get that quite <laughs> The answer, are you? Are you the answer is no, Gabby. The answer is no. Um, Gabby, well, just, just, just to <laughs> tell, the, tell the world. Gabby, just just a word on before before we wrap up. Just just a word on Maggie, though, a, a, as a player. We are talking about how mm. she, she changed the way the game was viewed. And, and, and don't take this the wrong way, but a former international said to me recently, do you know what I liked about Maggie? She played rugby like men play rugby. She smashed people, which wasn't meant to be as insulting as it sounds. But I guess that's what a lot of the old fashioned fellas would have seen. Yeah, and what people, when they watch women's rugby, what they want to see is the tackles being, you know, as committed and as ferocious as they see in, in the men's game. They want to see the skill levels that, they, you know, that they they see in the men's game. And I always think with women's sport, there was an opportunity to actually try to say, look, don't compare us. It's a different game. You know, we, hmm. we might play this in a slightly different way. Try not to compare us. But people will do because that's the way they, they kind of want to try and justify whether or not it's important. Or, but Maggie did play with an incredible amount of passion obviously her physical strength and her ability to you know to jackal and to just carry the ball with such might is what set her apart from the best the best and the fact that she went on then and almost had a, a second career as a shot putter um <laughs> and working you know kind of <laughs> your strength it just shows yeah well it just shows your strength as, a, as an athlete you know and you could probably baggy you probably could have competed in many other sports i think you're, you're such a natural sportswoman and your ability to, to change a game and to lead you know all of those attributes I think would have seen you probably across four or five different sports have, have achieved national colours had you wanted to yeah thank I agree you. I thank agree you, no uh, what an athlete Gabby great talking to you thank and you so much was, for your rugby, time rugby was luckily to get hold of you but um, and it was uh, a perfect confluence Aww. and I love watching you work so I hope to see you, you soon and hope to uh, yeah I hope that being a uh, a mummy is becoming slightly less tiring, but always enjoyable. <laughs> Gabby, should I also be saying congratulations to you as well? Um, is it aren't you a dame? I haven't had a baby. Now? Is, that, is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, lockdown hasn't been that long. No, just an MP, but thank you, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve care. a dame anyway. That's what I said. Uh, thanks, oh, Ga- thanks, Gabby. Thank, thank you so much. <laughs> Take okay. care of yourself. Bye. Brilliant, Bye. brilliant, brilliant. She's fantastic, isn't she? She's so good at her job as well. She's, She's just so, brilliant. so good at her job. 
Maggie, what are we going to do about women's rugby? Because I love watching it. I love watching the club stuff. I love watching the international stuff. Uh, we need to get people watching it. What, what does women's rugby have to do to, to really get out there? There's a Rugby World Cup coming up, of course, in New Zealand very soon. We need eyes on it. What should it do? I mean, the key thing is, is trying to make sure, obviously, we get it on the TV. So, you know, we saw the women's Six Nations that was shown on uh, on Sky Sports. And I think highlights were also on BBC. And also, you know, we've got the... Women's Premiership, Allianz Prem 15s. Uh, a lot of the games are either shown on Sky Sports or um, or on sh- stream by the RFU. So it's trying to make sure that we're giving the opportunity for women's the women's game to be seen by as many eyes as possible, especially when we lead up to the Rugby World Cup, which is going to be in 2021 for the women. You want to get people to to watch the game, but then to start... I guess identifying key players within the sport because it's same like in men's rugby or men's football or anything like that. When fans get to start to, I guess, identify key players and start to follow their journey, they become more attached and engaged to the sport. So I think we need to do that going into the Rugby World Cup. But again, during the Rugby World Cup, making sure that the games are shown regularly. But also, I'd, I'd say another thing to help women's the women's game, probably similar to what Gabby said, you know, it's having diversity in decision-making roles. So, you know, we don't have a lot of women who are coaches. We don't have a lot of women who are officiating or in governance. And I think we need to get more women in, in I guess, in those roles just to help bring change in that, in that respect. As well as for women's rugby, we, we're seeing it now in England, our women play players can be professional athletes so when you play for England and you get on that contract you know you can now be a professional athlete and have the rest that you need and and you know look after your body and and train as hard as you as you can to to be able to compete against the very best and that's made a big difference I think in the women's game over here in in England so I think for the women's game to continue to improve it's it's having the funds it's having tv coverage it's having key people in decision making roles and then also sponsors as well, having those key sponsors come out and, and support the women's game, like we've seen with the Prem 15s, you know, Allianz are now sponsoring it. And prior to that, it was uh, Tyrrell. So, you know, sponsors like that coming out and, and showing their support for the women's game does make a big difference. And this is why you need to be a future president of the Rugby Football Union. Is that a very genuine goal for you? Most definitely, yeah. Um, so I've been part of the RFU Council since 2015. 2016, I think it was, that's it, just after the Men's Rugby World Cup. And I truly enjoy being part of that group, that setup, and and it's all about making a difference, isn't it, really? So it's about impacting our game. And, you know, for me, I'm very passionate about, obviously, the the women's game. I'm passionate about diversity and inclusion. And I think, uh, you know, being being a council member, I can really have an impact that way because I'm actually, I'm in the room having those conversations and I'm I'm working with many other council members to, and and the president and the chief exec to ensure that we get those changes and and that the game continues to grow and and the game continues to be a sport for for everyone, really. So, yeah, I have have very big aspirations to one day be president. And, you know, it it will take time because you have to get on the presidential ladder, but... Definitely, I'm putting that goal out there, and uh, hopefully, when I make it, many others will will want to do the same. Not everyone sees doing work in governance as being very attractive, but I, I think it's quite powerful because you get to have an impact in a different way. It's hugely important, and the fact, hey, n- not just a woman, but you're a black woman, and that that's hugely important as well. We're seeing the Black Lives Matter movement before matches in the Premiership at the moment, and and a lot of the talk hasn't been about seeing more black players, but seeing black men and women in uh, executive jobs, in decision making jobs within. In the game that's something that really has to happen isn't it totally you know if you think about diversity in on the on the playing field for the men in particular there's you see it across the board in the premiership there's, there's, there's pretty good diversity um in the women's game not so much but where we're really lacking in both the men's and the women's game is like you've already highlighted 
we don't have that diversity in roles of of leadership. You know, as coaches, again, as officiate, in officiating uh, and in governance. You know, that's where we need to really have some serious change because you know, if you've got diversity in the way in governance in particular, then you have diversity in thinking as well um, and creating more opportunities for many others. So that's why I'd love to see the improvement. You know, at the moment in the count on the RFE council, I am the only person of colour in the council, and and I truly believe that will change over time. Not just for people of colour, but just generally greater diversity, because we want to make sure that I guess the governance that we have, the governance structure that we have, reflects those who play the game as well. Uh, no surprise when you were growing up that it was a black athlete that you looked up to, and I think it's interesting you you said because she looked like you. We're talking about Denise Lewis, of course, one of the greatest of all time, but. She kind of made things possible for you by seeing her achieve it. Is that is that how it works for a young kid? I guess. Yeah, you know, growing up, I I loved watching sport on TV, and I couldn't really see women's rugby much on TV. I actually didn't even see men's rugby much on TV, so I didn't really necessarily love the sport to start off with. But I saw the Olympics, you know, every four years. That was always on TV, and it always had a lot of a lot of attention. And I think the person who really stood out to me was Denise Lewis. You know, in two thousand, she won gold in heptathlon, and I just thought, wow, you know, this woman, she sort of. You know, she looks like me and she's got a sort of similar background. And I think, wow, that if she can do it and get an Olympic gold medal and be really famous, then, you know, there's a good chance that I can do that. And that, that really inspired me. Again, I didn't really go into athletics, but it just inspired me to have someone of, of her, I guess, you know, capability go on to achieve so much. And, you know, she mm. was a she became a national treasure as a result of that. Oh, big time. Rightly so. Uh, interesting enough, she was such a treasure to you that she was your specialist subject on Charity <laughs> Mastermind. I'm not going to go over the questions again, but what I thought was lovely, and this is a side to you people won't know about, that your charity was the Diana Brindlecombe Animal Rescue charity because you're a huge dog lover i i didn't know this about you i didn't know that muffin and tinker are so important <laughs> to your life tell us about muffin and tinker but muffin and tinker are both uh, six years old and they're yeah they're brilliant schnauzers miniature schnauzers prior to having arty little baby um, i'd say those two were our first two kids um just because they uh. just you require a lot of energy to look after them um but they i just love yeah i've always been a I've always been a dog lover in terms of, you know, wanting to look after them and, and to ensure that they're treated right. And you look, you truly do love them because you work with with her charity, the D-Bark charity. And Janet Young, she's on your speed dial, I'd imagine, because she she works with, with the dog charity. And I think it's great when someone uh, works with a charity like this that, you know, there are huge, there are bigger charities out there. But a charity this size, having someone like you back in them must be huge. So let's give Janet Young a bit of a buzz and find out more about this dog's life of yours, because uh yeah, you know, I, I want to know about something called Schnauzerfest. I mean, th- this actually exists, Schnauzerfest. I might get Janet to explain all this. Hello, Janet. Hi. Hi, Janet. It's Craig Doyle here on the contact book. I have a Schnauzer fan, Maggie Alfonsi, <laughs> <laughs> alongside me. Uh, uh, we're just ha- having a Hi. chat about her life and times. How important it has been having having someone like Maggie back in the charity and the kind of work she's done. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Maggie's been a fabulous ambassador for Debark. She's been involved with us for quite a few years now. And, you know, without people like her, you know, with her profile, we really rely on people like her to come along and support us and sort of share our name and share what we do. Um, you know, it, she's been a great asset to us. OK, ladies, <laughs> tell me what is Schnauzerfest? It sounds amazing. So Schnauzerfest was an idea that was thought up about 2013, 2014 by uh, Janetta Harvey, uh, an author, who had a rescue Schnauzer from Debark. And she came up with the idea of basically 
people with schnauzers all doing a charity walk on the same weekend in October and so that's how the Schnauzer Fest name came about and it was to raise funds to support the Diana Bibbican Rescue Centre which obviously Maggie is a great ambassador for. Well there is something you do Maggie which is lovely. You're so humble you haven't mentioned this ever to me in all the chats we've mm-hmm. had. You actually sit with the dogs that have had a really bad time, a really bad upbringing that don't like humans. You you kind of turn them around Maggie tell me tell me what you do there's some dogs who've had some very bad experiences and actually you get the opportunity just to sort of sit with them and just nurture them and it takes time for them to sort of get used to people and I've had the chance yeah just to sit with a few of them and help them feel comfortable with being around humans again Oh, Janet, thank you so much for joining us today. It sounds like some dogs need walking there behind you, but uh, really good to hear about the great work you do. And thank you so much. Take care no, of yourself. No, and thank you to Maggie. She's been a great supporter and long may it continue. I know she's going to come up very soon. So <laughs> Definitely. Thank you so much, Janet. Get me to Schnauzer Fest, Maggie. Get me there. <laughs> now you said it, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you one of the Schnauzer T-shirts. Oh, will it you? It's bright orange, though. So you 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 gonna have to wear it when you're when you're doing your doing your TV gigs now. Or so yeah, for double wear- glazing. You can wear it when you do double glazing. Hey, triple glazing, Maggie, keep up. Triple glazing, Triple, triple glazing. <laughs> I love sports people's careers because success brings you to all these different parts of life. I mean, let's be honest, when you were starting off, you didn't think one day I want to work for some animal charities. I want to be friends with Gabby Logan. I, you know, I, I want to work for ITV. It is amazing. But all of it comes back mm-hmm. to your commitment to your career. And I guess for you, the, the biggest moment, that World Cup win, you'd lost a couple of World Cup finals. Finally, though, the relief of winning that World Cup. Tell me all about it. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It was a relief prior to that. In 2006, we got to the final in that World Cup against New Zealand and we lost. I think it was like 28-17, I think. And then four years after that, went to another World Cup in 2010, but that was in England. Lost again against New Zealand in the final. Score was 13-10. And then to spend another four years, then get to another World Cup and then get to the final. But thankfully, we played um, Canada in the final, not New Zealand. Uh, And we won that one. And that was, and that, so that was, it was a huge relief, you know, because you just spent what we spent 12 years, 12 years or so building up to that one moment. And then to, for it to be all done, what within 80 minutes just seems, just seems crazy really. But um, to finally achieve it, I felt like, and I, I felt like I was able to retire really after that, because that has been the one goal that I had been chasing for, for such a long time. Um, it was, it was nice to finally do it and to do it with, with a fantastic bunch of players as well. I want to go back to actually, because obviously England uh, are readying themselves for a, a series of autumn internationals at the moment. And uh, Owen Farrell, uh, back captaining the England team. And we've it's come up a lot during this chat about how physical you were and just what a big tackler you were. You destroyed people in tackles. But I heard a rumour that you went to train with Saracens men when you were with the Saracens team and you uh, you smashed Owen Farrell a few times. Is this is this right? Did you destroy the England captain? <laughs> he probably won't remember it, but uh, I remember it very vividly. What happened was is that a few of us England women players would, would be part of um, various premiership clubs, academy boys set up. So I was part of the Saracens, I guess the men's or boys, whatever, boys academy. And actually at that time in that academy was Owen Farrell, uh, Jamie George, George Cruz, so some really obviously top top players in that one. And I remember when I had one of the sessions I, that I turned up to, Eddie Jones was coaching it. Uh, at the time, he was director of rugby uh, at Saracens, 
And um, I remember they were saying, yeah, Maggie, Maggie's allowed to train with, with the academy boys for this session. It's going to be full contact. I don't want anyone to hold back on anything, regardless of your gender. So I remember it just, I knew it was going to be a physical, tough session. It might, it might have been some sort of controlled version of rugby. It might be 3v2. And I was, I was in, in defence. And I remember the ball going to Owen Farrell. And at that time, he had a Justin Bieber sort of hair flick. Um, so I remember he wanted to run it in me and take me out basically I just remember on the sideline obviously his dad uh, Andy Farrell was on the sideline at the time because uh, he was obviously coaching Saracens as well from what I remember they were like oh yeah, yeah I, I watch out for this they, you know I think it was it was perceived that I was never going to tackle him and he ran right into me and I I didn't give him a massive I didn't like smash him back but I definitely stopped him in his tracks and I just remember the coach on the sideline going Oh my God, she didn't just do that, did she? And uh, yeah, it was quite, it was quite amusing, quite entertaining. And um, yeah, I don't think he he probably remembers it, but I remember it vividly. Shall we find Best out? Best day of my life. Let, let's oh, no, find no, out. You're not well, really going to call you, away. Well, I tell you what, <laughs> he's locked down in England camp at the moment with Eddie Jones, so I couldn't get him on the phone now. But I did ask him a little <laughs> earlier, and he said, "Right." I'm going to set the record straight with Alphonse. <laughs> this is what Owen Farrell, the England captain, had to say about that tackle that day. Have a listen to this. I can remember it, albeit a long, long time ago now. And obviously she stuck out as, as being impressive. And obviously that showed throughout her career. And, and for, to be as dominant as, as she was for as long as she was, obviously it's unbelievably impressive. And, and you know, then they're the type of people that you look up to. Not just in... Uh, an impressive player but the people that I've always looked up to are, are people that's been dominant in their sport for a long long time and, and for Maggie to be able to, to be as dominant as she, as she was for the amount of time that she was was a, a real privilege to watch Well there you go Maggie from one leader to another uh, Owen Farrell doesn't throw the compliments around too easy but my word he, he, he looked up to you Oh do you know what? it's so nice to hear hear those words and, uh, and I, I'm actually Surprised that he even remembers me being at the academy. Uh, he was a superstar in, even at that time. So, uh, yeah, for, for him to remember me then was is very special. Um, but it's quite funny because I, I, I've never actually spoken to him about the tackle at all, really. Like I said, for me, that's probably the greatest day of my life. But, yeah, it's nice to hear those words from him because uh, he's, a, as you as we all know, a brilliant player, a brilliant leader himself. And, yeah, to, to get positive words from someone like him means means a lot as well so uh, yeah that's really nice that's really that's really made my day well good a, a brilliant leader like him recognising a brilliant leader and a player like you Maggie this has been such a lovely chat on the contact book it's been so good reliving your life with you and with all, all your friends and colleagues I hope you've enjoyed it I have it's been brilliant it's been it's, it's, it's definitely made me blush a little bit I, there's some stories I can't actually remembered for a while and actually to be, have them be brought up has been nice so uh, yeah it's been a lovely lovely opportunity to talk to some old people in my life oh well done Maggie thank you so much and thanks for joining us on the contact book you've been brilliant take care of yourself thank you bye bye well there you have it Maggie Alfonsi what a fantastic person with a brilliant career really good to talk to her and great to have her on the contact book I hope you enjoyed it don't forget you can catch up with other episodes the likes of Brian Habana and Brian O'Driscoll and new ones on their way as well very very soon indeed and don't forget please do subscribe to The Contact Book. It'd be really good to have your company every time we do one of these. So, The Contact Book is produced by Keith Doyle by Three Rock Productions for Audi. Until we talk again, take care of yourselves and bye-bye. <laughs>